This is Michael T.Y.P. Cole, and this is episode 39 of Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. With us tonight, we have Jonathan Metz. Hola, senors. James Jones. Hello. And, of course, Stephen Rodriguez. It's so good to be back. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, uh, it's been so long without internet. I'm glad everyone could be back, you know. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, I'll be honest with you, they aren't actually here. I still don't have internet, and I won't for another three weeks. But uh, the TYP short went pretty well, so I figured uh, we should just move on with the show, and uh, I'll host by myself. Um, I actually considered briefly splicing in a co-host for the entire episode uh, based on previous episodes, but uh, I realized that would be a real nightmare to to, uh, to edit. And uh, honestly, it took me a very long time just to find, like, three greetings that I thought sounded good. <laughs> so um, here I am, all alone. Uh, I haven't really hosted alone for a in- full episode and since the live live version of this podcast. Uh, live version of this podcast. Since the live version of uh, Radio Trivia. But uh, I said, what the heck, I'll give it a try. Hopefully it won't be too boring for you guys. But, um... Let's just get started. You know how to play the game. Five games, three songs from each game. Figure out the game. We've got bonus questions, too, to help you out. So let's get started. Okay, so that was the first song, and uh, let's just move on to the second one.
Okay, so here's your question. What is the name of the most recently released version of this game? someone out there recognized the second and third songs because uh, this game is Tetris Attack. This is the Game Boy version of Tetris Attack. I think we used the Super Nintendo version of Tetris Attack in the past. Um, so uh, the question was what is the name of the most recently released version of this game and as far as I'm aware the most recent version is Planet Puzzle League for the DS. Now before this game's soul was completely hollowed out, it had good music. Um, it's called Panel de Pan out, out in Japan. And uh, they replaced the characters for the original U.S. release of it for the Super Nintendo and Game Boy. And they uh, replaced it with uh, Yoshi characters and inexplicably called it Tetris Attack, even though it has nothing to do with Tetris other than it's a puzzle game. So, uh, I like the music from pretty much every version of, of uh, Tetris Attack, Penalty Pond, that uses the original like songs. You know, uh, There was a version for uh, Nintendo Puzzle Collection, which only came out in Japan, which uh, had Penalty Pond. And, uh, but, you know, they, they changed it to Pokemon, and the music went to crap, frankly. Um, but at least it had some character. I mean, I don't... Pokemon's fine, but by the time the GBA came around, near the end of the GBA life, lifetime, they released a version of uh, Panel de Pon or yeah, Puzzle League was, I guess, what they eventually called the game because it's Planet Puzzle League. But um, by the time uh, the GBA came around, uh, it was just called Puzzle League, and it had absolutely no character whatsoever. I think I looked into the soundtrack for the game, and it has like very few songs too, so I don't understand, you know. If they don't want to make any new songs, they could at least use the old songs. I, why do they have to have, like, three songs in the game? I don't know. But uh, I didn't own that game, so I, I can't really vouch for it. Um, I've heard the, the DS version is pretty good. I don't think it has the soundtrack I'm familiar with, but it at least has a variety of songs. It kind of takes on the Medios look and feel. Um, I've never played it, but uh, I think it was uh, Mike Sklens, who's, who's a rabid Panel de Pond fan. Uh, gave it good marks, so I trust his opinion uh, to a degree. 
I think he'll love anything that's that's Puzzle League slash Panel de Pond, but um, they probably could have done worse than Planet Puzzle League. Um, so I love the game. Uh, the uh, I think maybe the N64 version, but definitely the uh, GameCube version of it supports four players simultaneously, which is pretty cool. And uh, if you die early, um, you can still play along just for fun. Which I really like in a, in a puzzle, competitive puzzle game, because then you're not bored if you die first. You can at least play something, even though you're not actually affecting uh, the other the other players, like with trash, whatever you want to call it. But um, yeah, Tetris Attack, uh, one of one of the few puzzle games I can play because you can mess up and not totally get screwed. <laughs> first song from the second game. Time for your question. In which free-for-all competitive game must you knock your opponents off a platform using your own momentum?
Okay. So, between the question and the songs, most of you have probably figured out that this is a Mario Party game. But you may be wondering which Mario Party it is. Um, after all, uh, the description probably applies to a lot of Mario Party minigames over the years. Um, this is the second Mario Party game, so Mario Party 2. And uh, in both the original and its sequel, there was a game I actually really liked called Bumper Balls. And uh, the idea behind bumper balls is that you're trying to knock your opponents off of a, a large platform, kind of a circular platform, which may sound like a lot of games, but, uh, in a, sorry, a lot of mini games from Mario Party. But um, interesting thing about this game was that uh, there was a good like risk-reward going on because you had to gain momentum and ram your opponents, who of course were trying to do the same thing to you. So standing still you're more likely to get thrown off. But when you move around, it's kind of hard to control intentionally. It's easy to, you know, overshoot, and you may wind up, you know, missing your opponent and running right off the cliff. So um, I always enjoyed it. Sometimes if you're playing against a really good opponent, it's kind of a stalemate. But uh, I thought it was actually a pretty clever minigame, and I was kind of upset that they hadn't reprised it in later Mario parties. Maybe they have one more recently, but... I certainly haven't seen it since Mario Party 2, um, or anything really like it in my opinion. Um, so that's always kind of held a special place in my heart. Mario Party 2, I think, is really the best Mario Party game. It it trimmed a lot of the fat, uh, some of the bad minigames, a lot of like going in circles on the N64 controller, but um, it kept a lot of the better games from the first one. Didn't even bother to you know call it anything different. It just updated them with some new tricks and uh, added additional mini games. Um, so I I don't think the series has gotten any better since Mario Party 2. In my opinion, 2 is kind of the the peak of the Mario Party series. It had uh, good music, good games, and it was still felt relatively new and fresh. Um, now I chose those songs for audio trivia in particular because I thought that they really could have been lifted straight out of uh, Super Mario RPG, which was recently released on Virtual Console for uh, Europe and uh, America, and the Americas. So uh, I thought it was kind of a would be a kind of a tip of the hat. Now the uh, the primary composer for the first two Mario Party games was uh, Yasunori Mitsuda. And uh, now Mitsuda did not compose uh, Super Mario RPG music, but uh, composer did uh, work for Square for quite some time, in fact, uh, most famous for uh, Chrono Trigger, right? So, um, I tend to think that uh, the sound of those songs was kind of borrowed from Mario RPG, even though, uh, you know, it was a different composer. So, I, I thought it was an interesting kind of observation, and I wanted to kind of point out that the Super Mario RPG uh, original for the Super Nintendo really has influenced a lot more than just the Mario RPG series, I think. Uh, kind of the musical style has, has crept some into some of Mario's spin-off games. Um, I don't know what else to say about Mario Party. We, we certainly use Mario Party in the past on other radio trivias. Uh, my stance on it is they really just shouldn't be making any more at this point until uh, it goes online and Actually, I don't think we've seen one this year, so that's a good sign. They made a DS one, which I actually approve of. I think the DS uh, Mario Party game is actually very uh, commendable. And uh, since there hasn't been a 
good Mario Party portable game. It, it isn't, like, uh, redundant. So, yeah. And, and it has one-card uh, play for up to four players for the entire game. So I, I actually appreciated that. I kind of wasn't forcing you to buy four copies to play with your friends. Uh, so that's pretty cool, actually. But, uh, yeah, Mario Party 2 uh, for Nintendo 64. was 8-bit. Let's go on to the second song.
Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, that wasn't jazz. Anyway, here's your question. Which other game in this series features a similar two-character tag-team mechanic? Castlevania. Uh, but do you know which Castlevania? Well, uh, it is Castlevania 3. This was a reader request from a little while ago by Eric from Minnesota. Yes, and an excellent pick. We have not, I don't believe we've used any NES Castlevania games up until now. So, uh, excellent pick, uh, and certainly was obligated to use Castlevania 3 at some point. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not a big fan of NES Castlevania games. I remember playing a little bit of, I think, Castlevania 2 when I was maybe 6 or 7 years old, and I I just found it too difficult at the time, and so I could never get into the NES Castlevania games, and when I was older, I even went back and revisited the Super Nintendo Castlevania game, and honestly, I just I couldn't get into that either. I don't know why, but I just find the... the kind of Metroid-inspired Symphony of the Night and Beyond structure much more appealing. Maybe it just isn't as, as brutally difficult as what it is. I mean, you can always save and, and continue from where you last saved in the more recent Castlevania games versus um, in NES games, it was, you know, it was a linear game. The old-fashioned, if you die, you're dead, you know? So, yeah, so that, that's my take in Castlevania, but... uh that's not to say the music wasn't good. I definitely like the music from NES Castlevania games. I probably didn't get to hear most of the music in the actual games because I would die so early early in the uh, level progression, maybe on level 2 or level 3. Um, anyway, the question was uh, about uh, Castlevania's three two-character mechanic where uh, if you push select, you can swap between... Um, I don't remember if it was Simon Belmont or not, I don't remember. But uh, the Belmont and uh, a companion, which 
you can pick up as, as you progress through the game, which is uh, Alucard, uh, some ghost pirate character, or uh, the magician Bilanis, or... Sorry, see how much I remember of my crappy Castlevania lore? I'm sorry, Castlevania lore is pretty crappy. But, um... Anyway, the idea is that you could push select at any time and play with this alternate character. And, uh, they kind of brought that back in uh, Portrait of Ruin for Nintendo DS. Um, very similar mechanic where, where you have two characters with kind of different skill sets. And, uh, I know the, uh, Dawn of Sorrow... Uh, DS Castlevania game had a similar mechanic as well with the with the three supporting characters the uh, Alucard um, the once again the magician and uh, and the Belmont but um, that's three characters and I was asking about a two character tag team mechanic so so ha if you fell for that um, so yeah uh, Castlevania three um, it's fairly well regarded um, maybe I should go back and play it, maybe if it's ever released on virtual console, but, um, I don't know, it's good request, uh, good music, obviously, and, uh, my, uh, I'm sorry for not using an NES Castlevania game sooner, I didn't even realize we hadn't used one. Um, so, let's go on to the next game. Yes, more ape-it, I know. But it's good music. Thank you. 
See, see, it's pretty different from the Castlevania game, right? So here's your question. In the film Counterpart, who played the swordsman? That's a pretty good hint, actually. first song sounded a lot like uh, something from Zelda Oracle of Seasons, Zelda Oracle of Ages, um, and actually that's there's a reason for that. This is a Capcom game. Obviously it isn't uh, Zelda because uh, of the question about a film, and we've also used both Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons in prior episodes, but um, this is Willow uh, for the NES, uh, made by Capcom, and uh, of course, uh, based on the uh, fantasy film Willow, uh, I think made by Lucas Arts or Lucas Films, sorry, Lucas Film, and uh, I guess it was kind of a, a Zelda clone, uh, for lack of a better word. There were there, were, it had leveling up more like an RPG, but uh, the general gameplay and structure was was more similar to Zelda, and uh, I never played the game. Honestly, I've never even seen the movie. Um, now I, I enjoy fantasy films as a kid. I, I certainly love uh, Labyrinth and The Dark Crystal, actually. I think I own both of them on DVD, actually. But uh, I've never seen Willow, so I don't know if it's any good or not. Um, supposedly, according to like internet sources, uh, it was developed, or the idea behind Willow was created in Lucas's mind when he was working on Star Wars, and this was supposed to be kind of a fantasy counterpart to, to Star Wars. But, uh, I don't know. To me, that sounds like marketing spin. Maybe maybe that's not true, but, uh, Lucas didn't direct the film. He, I think he kind of hired someone else to do that, so I, I tend to think that was just trying to raise hype for the film way back when or something. But, uh, if anyone has seen the movie or played the game and, and knows if either one's any good... Please let me know. I, from what I read online, it sounds like the game was decent, not not great, and uh, I don't really know anything about the film. So, uh, but I do know uh, that the uh, swordsman in the film was played by Val Kilmer. Yes, Val Kilmer. So, thought that was a fun fact and a good trivia question. Uh, I don't want to bore you guys too much. I know too late. 
So let's move on to the final game for tonight. Yes, that's it. I know, I know, more 8-bit. What can I say? Here's your question. Which individual developed the original version of this game? goes on and on and on and on. But if you've played this game, uh, you would know it based on this music. Uh, the game is Load Runner for the NES, an early NES game. And uh, it was actually a port from uh, other PC platforms. I think it came out on like the Apple II, maybe, maybe the Commodore? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm only familiar with the NES version. Uh, I guess there was a version for IBM PCs as well, um, but it's a simple game. But it's it's actually fairly uh, addictive. Um, the idea uh, behind Load Runner is that uh, you're a, you're a little man uh, in kind of a puzzle maze platforming game, and you have to collect all of the gold, which makes all the gold in a level, which makes a ladder to the top of the screen appear, and you climb that and you win. And kind of like Burger Time, there are, there are baddies kind of roaming around. And the way you defeat them is that you, you dig a hole. You dig a hole to your left or to your right. And uh, these baddies fall into this pit, and then you can walk over them. And eventually, after, whatever, five seconds, uh, the pit automatically fills up. And then that character is respawned. And it, if you fall into one of your own pits uh, and can't get out, you die or you're stuck. And uh, some of the later levels get really tricky where you have to... You know, dig lots of pits really quickly to grab a a uh, a piece of gold, and then like run before those pits uh, fill back up because that's your actually your escape route too. So um, it gets pretty complicated. There's a lot of puzzle involved, and uh, the reason why I actually chose Load Runner, um, I, I have played it on the NES. Uh, I played it actually on a black and white TV, which which is very funny, but. Um, the reason why I picked it was that I was wandering around uh, Kokusaidori here in, in Naha, which is kind of the uh, the main street in downtown, which has a lot of kind of souvenir shops and kind of has an international flavor to it. And there's a there's an arcade there, and I wandered into the arcade. And on the second floor, they have some older games. And on a nondescript uh, cabinet, there was a version of whatever, maybe Super Load Runner, or I don't know. I don't know how many Load Runners there are. Maybe it was some clone. But uh, there was someone playing Load Runner, and, I mean, it was some really crazy level of, you know, where you really had to know, like, memorize the pattern and, and beat it. And this guy was amazing. I watched him for, like, five or ten minutes, and I think he noticed I was kind of looking over his shoulder from a distance, and I 
looked a little bothered, so I left. But uh, uh, it was amazing, and, and it was kind of a random thing to see in a Japanese arcade, in my opinion. Um, the original was the original Load Runner was developed in America by a, a one person, really, uh, Douglas E. Smith. And, he sold his game to Broderbund, I believe, who, who distributed it even on the NES. Um, so I, Broderbund isn't really a well-known NES publisher, but I guess at least in the very early area, it published a few games. And uh, so I thought that was an interesting little story, and, and I do kind of like Load Runner. Uh, another interesting thing about Load Runner is that it ha- has a uh, level editor. You can create your own levels, and... I think that was pretty revolutionary for the time. Now, on the NES, you actually can't save, which is unfortunate, but on uh, the early computer versions, uh, you could save, and so um, people would create their own crazy levels, uh, and I think there were actually competitions. Maybe magazines would publish a winning uh, Load Runner level uh, each month in their magazine. So uh, it was pretty cool for the time, and you know, obviously... You know, building your own levels is still popular. You see it in Super Smash Bros. Brawl and plenty of other games. So, uh, Load Runner is kind of an innovator for its time. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they've ever come out with anything since, like, the 16-bit error, but I wouldn't be against seeing a, a version of it for, like, uh, for uh, WiiWare. So, I don't know. I don't know who owns the rights to it anymore. But that's Load Runner. And uh, it's also our final game. Hopefully I haven't bored you to death with my voice. Uh, I really wish we had a co-host, but probably don't have internet for another three weeks, so uh, this is what you get. uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, Let me know if you have any feedback. Uh, So uh, please do send in your requests. Uh, I know I don't have internet at home, but I can check my email. If nowhere else on my mobile phone. So uh, I will get your requests if you send them in. So please do. Uh, you can find the uh, submission form on uh, on the website for this podcast. Um, if you get it from the RSS, just follow the URL link associated with this podcast. And uh, you'll see a link, um, hypertext to a form where you just fill out fill out the text. Uh, if you'd like, fill out your name and where you're from so that, so that I can... Uh, cite you on the on the podcast and uh, send in your request please please do I I, I really appreciate them I, there are always games out there that I don't know about or don't think of or you know I, I didn't think would work but you know someone requested it's so like oh yeah it actually does work so uh, please do send in your requests uh, if you have any suggestions on how to handle <laughs> this uh, kind of blackout period where I don't have internet uh, I, I'll appreciate those as well so thanks for listening everyone bye Tetris Attack is copyright 1996 Nintendo. Mario Party 2 is copyright 2000 Nintendo. Castlevania 3 Dracula's Curse is copyright 1990 Konami. Willow is copyright 1989 Capcom Lucasfilm. Load Runner is copyright 1983 Doug Smith, 1984 Hudson Soft.